Well, if you've been with us at Radiant Life, what we have deemed the year 2022 is we believe that God gave us a word, and the word is awaken. And so we have been journeying through the book of Acts together, because the book of Acts is the beginning of the early church. And we left off the book of Acts in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, when Pentecost happens. It's a Jewish festival. And God chose that festival to send his spirit, the Holy Spirit, to come upon the 120. And we are taking an off-ramp right now to talk about who is the Holy Spirit. For many of us in this room, we come from different backgrounds. Some of us, we talk about Holy Spirit. And we have no problem mentioning Holy Spirit. For others, others of you are like, I don't ever want to, Holy Spirit scares me. This Holy Ghost, like I'm afraid of ghosts. This thing scares me. What we desire to do in this series together is to throw away our experiences that may have hurt us or caused us to have a wrong doctrine or wrong theology and come back to biblical truth. To say, God, what does the Bible say about your presence and power in our life? That's what the heart of this series is. And, and if we're, we're coming from all different backgrounds and walks, and, and I just want a reset. I want us to look at the historical record of who Holy Spirit is and where he's coming from. I love Pastor Robert Morris. He's a pastor at Gateway Church down in Texas. And this is what he said in his book, The God I Never Knew. Here's his quote. He says, I've seen firsthand that most Christians hold a distorted, inaccurate, or incomplete view of the third member of the Trinity, utterly unaware that a loving and amazing person desires to know them and to fill their empty lives with good things. The dynamic, full life Jesus promised to believers is a natural outgrowth of an intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit. And what I found even in my own walk with Jesus is that I was one of those. In my own walk with Jesus, I had a distorted, inaccurate and an incomplete view of Holy Spirit, of the God that's in me. We know more about Jesus who lived 33 years of his life than we do about Holy Spirit who's been alive and active for the past 2,000 years on earth. And so what we want to do is just gently guide into this thing together. We're in a journey together of just trying to understand. Because here's what I do know. I think a lot of our faith, our Christian faith, looks like this. We're empty. And we thought, I thought following after Jesus was going to make my tank completely full. But the issue is, we've ran out of gas. Because for many of us, we've had this distorted Wrong information about Holy Spirit. And we're running life on empty and we find ourselves on the side of the road. We find ourselves on the side of the road going, why won't this marriage work? Why can't I love people better? Why can't I just break this addiction in my life? Because we're running on empty. Or we haven't put the right gas in the fuel tank. Because you and I were meant to go vroom, vroom. And that's the power of Holy Spirit in our lives. And you're not alone if you don't know Holy Spirit. 
In fact, we're found in the book of Acts chapter 19. Uh, They went on a missionary journey, saved people. And then all of a sudden in Acts chapter 19, look what happens. There he found some, what's this one word? Disciples. So people who follow after Jesus, who put their faith and trust into Jesus Christ, they found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And here's their answer. No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Did they actually have the Holy Spirit upon salvation? Yeah, but they didn't realize it. They had no idea that they had a special gift inside, which is the presence of God himself, Holy Spirit. They had no idea. And I think this describes many Christians in the world today. We follow after Jesus. We're running on empty. You have no idea that Holy Spirit's residing in you. And so that's what I want us to do over the next several weeks together is gently guide. We did a Holy Spirit back in November and December of 2020. So you can go back and look for resources. But this series is going to take us down some different avenues that we just couldn't cover back then that I wanted to. Because we could spend forever on Holy Spirit, right? Trying to figure out the Godhead that is working within us right now, moving in all of us. Trying to figure it out. So we were going to bring some fresh new material. But I need to set groundwork today. So the title of this message for this part one of this series is, Who is He? Who is He? And so we're going to be in John 14, 15, and 16. All those verses there. Now this is very key. These verses that we're going to jump into in John 14, 15, and 16. What is so key is most biblical scholars believe this is the last 12 to 16 hours of Jesus' life. He's in the upper room with his 12 disciples. The 12 guys that he chose to follow after him. And before he knows he's going to get arrested and die on the cross but defeat death and resurrect. Before that, he's sitting there going, this is the last instructions I can give them before my death. And what's so key is he talks two major themes. Number one, he talks Holy Spirit. I'm going to leave you someone. And number two, he talks love. Holy Spirit and love. If, if you know you're going to die, what would be some of the last words you would give your family? See, this is the last words Jesus is going to give his 12 disciples before he dies. He's going to remind them, there's a third part of the Trinity of the Godhead that's coming, and you need him. So here we go, John chapter 14, we'll start in verse 16. Remember, this is Jesus speaking in his last 12 to 16 hours before his death. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another, what's this one word? Advocate. Many different translations may say helper, comforter, maybe counselor. Four or five times you're going to see the word advocate. I'm going to send you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. You're going to notice I'm going to emphasize him a lot. Okay? We'll get to that in a minute. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. So far so good. All right. Moving on. All this I've spoken while still with you. Because he's going to go to his death. But the, what's this one word again? The advocate, the helper, the counselor, the comforter, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and help you remi- and will remind you everything I've said to you. A little further on in John chapter 15, this is still Jesus' long conversation he has. When the, what's this again? 
advocate comes whom I will send to you from the Father automatically. Where's the Spirit right now? He's in heaven with the Father. But who's coming? The Holy Spirit's coming, which we already looked at in our Awakened series in Acts chapter 2. The Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. Chapter 16. But very truly I tell you, it's for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the, what's this last time? The, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus, or Holy Spirit in you, is greater than Jesus beside you. I wonder what it must have been like for the disciples in this moment. Wait, Jesus, we've been with you for three years. You can't go away. Yeah, listen, I'm going to go away unless I go away. This can't happen. And it's for your good that it's going to happen. And then he goes on. I have much more to say to you, more than you can bear. But he, the spirit of truth, comes. He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will only speak what he hears. Now, so many times over and over we've read that this idea that the advocate is coming. Again, different translations. A comforter, a helper, a counselor, a friend, depending on your translation. So he calls that this idea that this is a comforter. You know what? We all have something at home together. We're all in this together. We all have maybe a comforter at home. Now, some men don't like this, and women, you don't like it because you get too hot at night, right? And you kick that thing off. Married couples, you are fighting over this, right? That one spouse always turns to the side and takes it all. But I don't know about you, but growing up, I love my mother, but she was a little weird. I can say that because she's not in this service yet, okay? Um, see, growing up, there was a comforter that I could not use, but you as a guest could use. It was weird. I would get yelled at if I used that comforter. But you as a guest, go ahead, use it. Not only a comforter did we have that only guests could use and I could not, we had special towels that only guests can use. And those special towels, here was my shower that I grew up. If I was to get out, those special towels hung right there. And one day I decided to use those special towels. To which my mother came in. Which I don't know why she came in to begin with. I was getting ready. And um, she came in and she goes, Ryan, what are you doing? And I'm standing there with the towel around me that the guests only use. I said, I'm wet. I'm using the towel. She says, you can't use that towel. That's for guests only. What are you thinking? I don't know. I should have used paper towels. I'm wet. What do you want me to do? I'm wet. There's a towel. I'm using the towel, mom. But Jesus tells his 12 disciples, hey, the advocate, the comforter's coming. I wonder how many Christians have a comforter and it's just for looks and not for use. The Holy Spirit in our lives is meant for use. And he's good. He's enjoyable. I think you and I just got to get to know him. So I'm going to give us three things. Three things this morning 
about who Holy Spirit is. It's the groundwork for who Holy Spirit is. First and foremost, you saw me overemphasizing he. Because here's the thing, Holy Spirit's a person. Nowhere in the scripture is Holy Spirit ever mentioned as an it or a force. He is a person. Now here is our struggle. Well, let me say this. Every time you notice I say Holy Spirit, not the Holy Spirit or the Holy Spirit. And that's okay. Um, There are times in the scripture where the is used and the is not. The English just put the in there. I don't call you the Brandon. That would be very, to me, very impersonal if I called him the Brandon, the Sheila, the Chris. I call them Chris, Sheila, Brandon. Because it's more personal. See, if you and I must engage Holy Spirit as a person because he is. Now here's what tricks us up. When we mention Holy Spirit in Scripture, there are images that are used to describe Holy Spirit. And this is why we, you and I, don't see him as a person. So let me go over these five quick images or metaphors for Holy Spirit that's used in Scripture. This is what trips us up. But again, these are images or metaphors for Holy Spirit. Here's the first one. Holy Spirit's known as the wind or breath of God. So in the Older Testament, it's written in Hebrew. The New Testament's written in Greek. So in the Old Testament, in Hebrew, here's the term for wind or breath. It's ruach. Let me hear you say ruach. (laughs) You're good. It means wind, breath, a violent exhalation, blast of breath. So what happens was over 800 times the word Holy Spirit's used in Scripture. The English writers had a hard time defining exactly Holy Spirit. So there's a lot of imagery. And so here's an example where this plays out from the moment of creation. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God, the Ruach, was hovering over the waters. Holy Spirit was there from the beginning of creation, hovering over the waters. He was there at, the, at creation when God said, let us make man in our image. Let us, let who? Us, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit make man in our aim, image. So you have this term, this spirit, this breath in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, the, the word is pneuma. Let me hear you say pneuma. Greek is so much easier than Hebrew. You don't have to hack a loogie when you do Greek. You do when you do Hebrew. Pneuma means a current of air, blast of breath, a strong breeze. So do you see when, when, the, when the writers were talking about Holy Spirit, English writers had a hard time translating exactly what that is. Let me show you how this plays out in the New Testament. This is Jesus' word. He says the spirit, the Greek word, the pneuma, gives life. Here's another in Ephesians. Check this out. Don't grieve God. Don't break his heart. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life, making you fit for himself. Don't take such a gift for granted. So the Holy Spirit's moving, breathing in you. So wind or breath is an image or a metaphor all throughout Scripture for Holy Spirit. Here's another second one. Oil of anointing. You can read from the New Testament to the Old Testament, anointing with oil, symbolic for Holy Spirit. 
Now, I'm just going to give you one verse. I could pick a ton, but I want to give you one verse when Jesus was uh, uh, dealt with this. It's found in Acts chapter 10, verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. All throughout scripture, you will see oil of anointing on kings and stuff is a representation of Holy Spirit. Here's the third image that confuses us. Is Holy Spirit's known as fire, right? You think of the Older Testament, that when, the pre- when they moved and were guided by God in the wilderness, it was a pillar of fire by night. The fire represented the presence of God moving and guiding the people Here's here's it in the New Testament. They saw, we just looked at this two weeks ago in our Awaken series. They saw what seemed to be tongues of what, friends? Fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. It was the physical manifestation of Holy Spirit on their lives. It was the tongue of fire. It was represented that way. Now here's here's, uh, number four. Is Holy Spirit's known as living water. Uh, again, you can read it all throughout the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Let me give you an example in the New Testament. This is Jesus speaking about living water. He's at the well and meets a woman there. And in John chapter 4, this is Jesus' conversation. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Listen, the world will throw you a lot, but you will never thirst when you have Jesus Christ. His desires, his passions become yours, and you won't thirst for anything else anymore. There'll be a deep hunger. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And this is his conversation with the woman. Jesus is going to go on in downtown Jerusalem and be able to speak at the festival. And he says this in John 7. On the last and greatest day of the festival, which, by the way, real quick, the last and greatest day, your wells would have been empty. It was the end of the dry season where you have no more water. And watch how brilliant Jesus is as a speaker. Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come, and, come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit whom Those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not been glorified. We know that because we read in Acts chapter 2 that the spirit finally comes. But what was Jesus doing? He's saying, listen, living water will well up inside of you. What I mean by that is the Holy Spirit can well up inside of you. Here's the last image or metaphor used for Holy Spirit, and it's a dove. Many times you may see Christian art, oftentimes this is how Holy Spirit is displayed, oftentimes by fire or dove. I want to show you the four examples in the gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They all write about the life of Jesus, but write about this dove imagery. And here's how all four say, and it's all at Jesus' baptism. Matthew, who was the who was a tax collector, one of the disciples. He writes, at that moment, heaven was open. This is Jesus' baptism. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove. Like a dove. Not as a dove. Like a dove. Mark wrote, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. Luke, uh, the physician, wrote, who also wrote the book of Acts, says, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form. Does the Holy Spirit have a body? Apparently, according to Luke, bodily form, like a dove. And then John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, said, I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove, 
and remain on him. Four, five images of Holy Spirit in scripture that we have. Now remember, these are images or metaphors. So on a Sunday morning, you may say, man, the pastor spoke with fire. Did we really speak with fire? No. But you all know what we mean by that, right? Man, he brought the fire today. It's a metaphor for something. But the issue is when it comes to the Holy Spirit, we get tripped up in these images or metaphors thinking the Holy Spirit is a dove. The Holy Spirit is living water. Yes, but it's all metaphors for who he is. The Holy Spirit is a person. And here's what's key. If you don't see Holy Spirit as a person, then you won't develop a personal relationship with him. And God desires that for you. It's the Godhead that's living in you. Holy Spirit is a person. Turn to your neighbor and say, he is a person. Okay, here's the second thing, key thing, three things. This is number one. Number two is Holy Spirit is God. Holy Spirit is what, friends? Please lean in. He is not a leg of God. He is not an extra afterthought of God. Holy Spirit is God foundational to our Trinity belief and doctrine. If you were with us for our Unchanging series back in the fall, you saw this image. I'm going to show you two images. It's not going to be on the screen very long. You may, if you're a note taker, want to just take pictures. But be reminded of who God is. It is three in one. The Father is God. Jesus, the Son, is God. Holy Spirit is God. But Holy Spirit is not Jesus. Holy Spirit is not our Heavenly Father, but all three is God. God, God, and God. Here, let me show you in another way. Let me show you in a chart, okay? For you note takers, this is really grab a phone. Here we go. Here's a chart. We have name. God, God, God. Here's their title. The Father, Jesus, and Holy Spirit. Okay? Think about the Father. If your overall function of the Father, now you could go into, well, there's all these other functions. But if you and I were to walk into a Holy Spirit seminary class, this would be your overall theology being taught. Okay, so I'm your professor for this moment, okay? I've always wanted to be one, by the way, so thank you. <laughs> overall function of the Father is to be our provider. Think about this. Where is his status? Who is the Father? He is set apart. He is holier than holy. He is there. He is in the Holy of Holies. There, sin cannot be around the Father. He is holy. Where's his location right now? Heaven. How do we know this? When the disciples ask Jesus, Jesus teaches us to pray. Jesus says, okay, our Father in where, friends? There it is. He's in the throne room sitting on his throne. What about Jesus? Jesus came to be our Savior, to build the bridge back into relationship with God. He is your Savior. He is my Savior. Without Jesus, we aren't going to heaven, friends. It is only by his name that we confess and believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. Then you're saved. Not being a good person is not good enough because you aren't God. You and I need Jesus Christ. To be our Lord and Savior. And he saves us from our sins. Where is he? Where's his status? Oh, he's sitting down right now. He's like you. He's seated. Where? In heaven. That's his location. 
I could show you all different scriptures in the New Testament. Let me show you one about where, why he's seated and where he's in heaven. First Peter says this, talking about Jesus. He's gone into heaven and is at God's right hand. How cool is that? Watch this. With angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. There is power in the name of Jesus. And they're submitting to him. And he's seated at the right hand of the Father. So we have Jesus in heaven. The Father is in heaven. Well, who's here? Glad you asked. It's the Holy Spirit. He's our helper, our advocate, our comforter. He is there to help you. His status right now, oh, he's active. He's moving in our lives and in this world. And where is he? Right here on earth. So when you sit there and go, hey, Jesus, oh, Jesus, I need help. He's sitting there going, hey, Holy Spirit, they're asking you to help. Jesus says, yeah, I'm interceding on your behalf to the Father. Isn't that cool? That Jesus just isn't just chilling in a chair next to the Father. He's interceding for you on behalf of you. He's praying for you. But his will, what he had to do on earth is done. The cross is done. I've, be, I've defeated death. I defeated Satan. It's done. My mission on earth has been accomplished. And he's sitting there going, tag team, Holy Spirit, you're in now. Holy Spirit comes. Pentecost, here I come. Right? Boom. And Holy Spirit comes. So I'm just helping us create our theology. When you're crying out, Jesus, help me, help me. Jesus is sitting there going, oh, baby, I did. Man, I defeated the death in your life. I defeated sin. But I know what you mean. I mean, I know you mean Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, that's you. But they're all God. Right? It's still God, God, and God. That's who they are. It's three in one. Please lean in in this moment. Holy Spirit is not extra. Holy Spirit is essential. Holy Spirit is not just for the super Christians. It's for the pastors, no one else. It's for the church down the road. No. Holy Spirit is the presence of God living in you when you become a believer. When you step across the line of faith, Holy Spirit's in you. Holy Spirit is God. Equal to Jesus and the Father, yes. Different function. Here's my last one. Holy Spirit's my helper. Holy Spirit is your helper. Ryan, I I don't know what to say. Ask Holy Spirit. You ever been in a conversation when all of a sudden that Bible verse comes up and you give it to that person and you're like, I don't know why I said that. And they go, oh my goodness. That was Holy Spirit. You know that time when you're tired and you come home from a long day and your spouse or kids are there at home and, and man, they, they say something and you want to react and you have that thing inside of you that says, don't say that. Don't, don't go there. And you know what you and I say. I shouldn't say this, but, and then you say it, and then afterwards you go, I shouldn't have said that. That was Holy Spirit. Don't say that. You're going to go down a road you don't want to go. Don't do it. What not to say, what to say, it's Holy Spirit. And so Matthew, we jumped in. We didn't look at these verses. I want to bring these three up really quick. There's misnomer here. And I want to clear the air because Holy Spirit is a gentleman and he will guide us into all truth. 
But I want to show you something that Jesus tells his disciples in John chapter 16. It says, when he comes, who's he? Holy Spirit. Not a force, not an it. But when he comes, he will prove the world to be in wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. And then he's going to unpack what Holy Spirit does with sin and righteousness and this judgment. He says this about sin because people do not believe in me. So the Holy Spirit's going to come and help people believe in Jesus Christ. We call that the work of preeminent grace. That Holy Spirit is working on even unbelievers right now. That Holy Spirit is tugging them. We got word two weeks ago that someone was in the service, not a believer, walked away and asked, that feeling that came over me that I was drawn in, was that what you guys call Holy Spirit? Absolutely. That Holy Spirit is working on even unbelievers to draw them in to the heart of the Father, which everyone to come into relationship to. It's the heart of the Father. Here's a Bible verse for this in 1 Corinthians 12, 13. It says this, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the who, friends? You can't say Jesus and Lord unless Holy Spirit hasn't helped you say that. See, oftentimes we think in our, our world that Holy Spirit's gonna come and just convict you. You're a sinner, that's what you do. But I wanna remind you of a beautiful verse. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You know who wants to condemn you? The enemy of your soul. That's his ministry. See, the enemy of your soul wants to scream at you, you are a sinner, you're a horrible person. But Holy Spirit will come in and convict the world of sin and say, yeah, you know what? You are a sinner, but you're not horrible. What I need to reveal to you is that there's sin in your life, so you'll come on the other side and say, I need a savior. And Holy Spirit will say, that's Jesus. He'll point you to Jesus. The enemy will convict you. You're a sinner. You're horrible. You're filthy. You're rags. Holy Spirit says, hey, but in all of that, let me introduce you to your Savior, Jesus Christ. And then it goes on. He says about righteousness, that Holy Spirit's going to help you with righteousness because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. See, here's what's beautiful about this thing of righteous. That you and I are in a right relationship with our Heavenly Father. You and I are in a right relationship and right standing with God because of what Jesus Christ did for us. Look at this. This is an identity crisis. Check this out in 2 Corinthians. It says, God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us. So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. Daughter Son of God, you are the righteousness of him. Do not believe the lies of the enemy. He wants to throw you off, but you are the righteousness of God. You are in right standing with God, and I think that is something to celebrate. I loved when it was snowing. One of my prayers was when we had that snowfall, and I was sitting in my chair in my living room, and I'm having my quiet time. I sat there and said, God, as that snow falls... May it be beautiful clothing like righteousness on me right now. And I loved what the writer of Ephesians, Paul says this to the church, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Woo! Where are you seated right now? 
with Jesus at the right hand of the Father, clothed in righteousness. See, the enemy of your soul wants to sit and tell you, you're not living right. Are you kidding me? Look at the way you live your life. You think that God would ever love you? Holy Spirit comes in and convicts the world of righteousness, says, hey, there's a way to live. But most importantly, when you're in Jesus Christ, there is no condemnation. And now, check this out, now you're in right standing with God. But how many of us sit and believe the lie that the enemy of our soul wants to tell us? And we're fearful of Holy Spirit thinking he's just going to come and hammer us. He's like, no, you're in right standing with God. You got something to be worthy about. Praise Jesus Christ for that. And here's the last one about judgment. Because the prince of this world now stands condemned. See, there's a belief out there that we buy into that God's out to get me. I messed up. I got to do all this stuff to make right. Listen, you can't do it on your own. You need Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ has defeated the enemy of your soul. Listen, if you're a child of God this morning, if you follow after him, Satan has no authority over you. Holy Spirit comes in and reminds you about the judgment that you're covered. You're covered. He's not going to come in and smack you and condemn you. He's there to help you and remind you Satan has no authority over you. Worship team, make your way up. Know this. God the Father loves you. God the Son saves you. God the Holy Spirit is in you. He's in you. Now let's get to know him. There's beautiful things. There's a filling. There's gifts. Do you not, you and I know that we can actually quench the spirit? Who I can't wait till that week. You and I know we can grieve him in our lives. We'll unpack all that too. I want to remind in Ephesians, when you believed, when you stepped across that line of faith, you were marked in him with a seal the promised Holy Spirit. And the enemy has no authority. You are marked. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're marked. Turn to your other neighbor and say, I hope you're marked. It's the Holy Spirit. As I close, I want to read this one thing. And then we're going to sing a song as we close out service with what we opened up the service with. Holy Spirit, come. And I love this. This kind of describes an overall emphasis on who Holy Spirit is. Let me read this to you. The Holy Spirit intercedes through us on earth. The Holy Spirit calls and qualifies ministers for their work. It is the Holy Spirit who makes them overseers over the flock. He hears, speaks, teaches, and guides us in all truth. He glorifies Christ, receives from Christ, shows us Christ, and brings all of Christ's words to our remembrance. It is better for us that Jesus left so he could come. He shows us things to come, knows the deep things of God, searches all things, and reveals all things. Where he is, there is liberty. The writers of the Bible spoke as they were moved by him. We are warned not to grieve him or quench him. The sin against him is unpardonable because sin against him is against the only one who can reveal the son to us. Unless a man is born of the spirit, cannot enter the kingdom of God. We are convicted by him, born again by him, led by him, filled with him, and sealed by him. That 
It's the God in us. So I'm asking you, friends, over the next several weeks to journey with us. See, there's a spiritual journey, a line that we're all on. And for many of us, we've come into this one relationship that we've recognized that there is a creator, there is God. I do believe that. Then often the next step is to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. To put your faith and trust into him. But so many of us have stopped there. And we thought this is the end game. That was the goal of our faith of Christianity. Just give me Jesus and get me to heaven. But it doesn't stop there. There's so much more. And what this series is going to try to do, and then we'll be done with the series and jump back into the book of Acts and Awaken, and you're going to see it. Is we want the third step for all of us. And that's to release Holy Spirit in our lives. And when we jump off this series back into Awaken, you're going to see the release of Holy Spirit in the world. May you and I gently guide into getting to know the God in us, the upgrade within. Prayer partners, if you want to make it to the corners right now, I'm going to ask church family, will you please stand? I'm going to pray for you, and then we're going to close with that song that we opened up with. A beautiful song, that reminder that we're praying, Holy Spirit, come. That revival would come back again. If you need prayer over anything in your life, our prayer partners are down in each corner ready to lift you up in prayer. For whatever reason, they're there and everything's confidential. Church family, will you just open up your hands? Let me pray for you if you will. Just open up your hands. I just want to pray that you and I over the next week will be open to whatever Holy Spirit has for us. So Father God, as our hands are lifted open in a receiving posture, we pray, Holy Spirit, come. Do what only you can do. I pray if we have different theologies, different doctrines, different mindsets, help us to deconstruct those things and help us come with a blank page to worship you, to be filled by you, to have Holy Spirit released in our lives. We pray, Holy Spirit, come. In Jesus' name, and everyone say.